When your fluffy family comes calling, you know you've got to answer because it's time for Your Pet Matters with our doctor, Dr. Chi of Progressive Veterinary Care. Progressive Veterinary Care, making waves in pet health care. To access more information, go to ProgressiveVeterinaryCare.com. Your pets are in luck because you're going to get all the best tips and tricks to take care of your fluffy best friends from their very own lifelong wellness partner. So let's get started with Your Pet Matters. and welcome to Your Pet Matters. I'm your host, Michael Dr. T. Tequila, and it is so great to have all your shiny wet noses and furry ears listening in onto our program today. Today, we're gonna switch things up a little bit. I'm, I had to give a talk um, on the weekend about five plus things your veterinarian wished all pet parents knew. And in that talk, I talk about the importance of pet insurance. I talk about how the last time I checked, Dr. Google didn't have a veterinarian or any medical degree for that matter. I also talked about the importance of the American Animal Hospital Association or AHA accreditation. I talk about what makes your veterinarian tick. What, what are we made up of? What kind of person are we? Um, and concepts like waiting and how it's not very good to wait when you have a medical situation. Um, and I talk about finances, why there's this perception that veterinary medical care is expensive. So that's all on this show. And it's quite involved, but I hope it's very educational. So we're gonna be talking about pet insurance right now. So um, if you haven't heard already, there's a plethora of pet insurances out there. So the biggest thing is that the U.S. has roughly 90 million homes have pets. And of that, there's an estimated 1% of cats that have insurance or are insured and 3% of dogs that are insured. So it's quite low. It's anywhere from, they say, 2% of the nation's pets actually are insured. Um, conversely, in Europe, with the averages much higher, um, I think it's Denmark that has the highest percentage of 50% of the pets are insured. So I'm a huge fan of insurance. And the reason why I'm a huge fan of insurance is that it enables me as a pet practitioner to offer you the best. It enables you as a pet parent who wants the best for the pet to be able to afford the best. And we'll get into costs later, but that's the biggest thing um, is insurance enables you to run into a situation, whether it's wellness or emergent, usually it's under the emergent situations where there's a huge financial burden. and. Like I said, we'll get into the finances of it, but the, the important aspect to know is that veterinary medicine is progressing. It's, it's incredibly progressing at an incredible rate. And there are, especially where I am in the neck of the woods in Jersey, there's a plethora of referral centers. So we'll talk about costs of care and it's quality care. I kid you not, it's quality care. So, so gone are the days of these really cheap, situations where you're going to have to face that when there's an emergency situation, the price can get quite high. So when I was younger, the concept of finances would be to put money away in a bank account for save it for a rainy day. Well, you know, even if you do 100 bucks a month, after a year you have $1,200. Well, to 
do an emergent situation, some of these referral centers, it, that would cost a day in a referral center. So it's, it's much better to think of insurance like any insurance. We all have life insurance, we all have car insurance, we have home insurance if we own homes, and it's there. And we're paying these premiums just in case something happens. And so it's there if you need it, and it's an emergent situation. And believe it or not, insurance for pets is the number one prevention of having to make a life and death situation in an emergent situation. So think about that. What's the process? Um, well, there's many ways to sign up. You can sign up online, literally at your vet office. You can reach out to many of the major insurance providers for our car and home also have a pet insurance. So it's really variable. And I would honestly say talk to your veterinarian. They have created some links and some um, relationships with certain insurance companies that they would trust because they you know it's a tricky thing so you want to get to know the ins and outs of it and so at my particular practice i have different insurances that we recommend um, but key concepts are um, i call it the young and dumb thing <laughs> get insurance while your pets are young and dumb so the earlier they are the younger they are the healthier they are that's the best time to get pet insurance because you don't want to have any pre-existing conditions um, and timing is important you want to get your insurance as soon as possible. So literally, you could sign up at your first kitten or puppy visit with your veterinarian. You can sign up and be covered very shortly thereafter. Um, so we had a situation where there was a Yorkie owner. We talked about pet insurance. She said, no, 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 let me think about it. Literally that weekend, the Yorkie jumped off a countertop. So we're talking a teacup Yorkie about this big, jumped off a countertop, broke her front limb. I think it cost $1,500 at referral center repair, and this is years ago. So that would have been covered under insurance, a majority would have been covered under insurance. So, so definitely get them when they're young. That's something definitely to consider. Uh, the other difference between, there's a difference between human insurance and pet insurance in that human insurance, I walk into my doctor's office and they say, well, the copay is this much and then you don't really see the finances or you get billed later and you wonder why you have to pay those situations. Well, in the veterinary world, you actually pay up front, you then submit your invoices, the doctor has to submit their uh, findings or their, or their records and then you get reimbursed X amount, reimbursed X amount. So. There are things that um, pet insurance is really great in, and there's, there's these, just the medical conditions that you can have. So like I said, it's, it's emergent situations where you need pet insurance, or some expensive non-emergent situations. There's a, there's a common thing that dogs get, cruciate ligament tear, and to get that repaired properly by a board certified surgeon is in the thousands of dollars. And uh, my surgeon, Dennis Ting, will come in and he'll, he'll provide a great service and do a great cruciate great cruciate ligament repair or meniscal repair if needed. Um, he most recently fixed the kneecap and did a ligament repair on a small dog here. The other thing is that if you have to go to a referral center and see some of my friends like uh, Garrett Packniger, um, who's a criticalist at VSEC, um, 
you have to go see a cardiologist um, at some place where, in fact, there is a cat right now that is under the care of my, my friend Ryan Keegan, a cardiologist at North Star Vets. Um, those can be pretty expensive because you're talking about hospitalization for a critical case, you're talking about getting the proper diagnostic workups, um, et cetera. So it's very important to to utilize insurance at that point in time. Um, and there are some riders or some places where they have some wellness plans. There's one uh, pet plan will have a rider where you pay X amount per year, but they give you more back to spend on anything. So for example, if there is a pre-existing condition and you have to buy special food for that, um, then you can use this wellness rider to actually cover some of those food expenses or some uh, insurance plans don't cover dental, so you can use this wellness rider to do that. So I think, for example, you pay $200 a year, but you get $450 to spend. So it's something definitely to, to consider that way. Um, but I think insurance is something that everyone should get. You're gonna need it at some point in time. I doubt if there is a pet that is not going to have an emergent or critically ill situation ranging from trauma to cancer in their life. And that's where insurance pays itself off in spades. So it's definitely worth it. The premiums aren't that expensive and many insurances allow you to um, determine what your premium is. Uh, some people take certain premiums and then as the pet gets older, they might just do the emergent type care. It's really your choice about what you want to do but but definitely look into it talk to your veterinarian it's something that's incredibly worthwhile I think more and more pets should be insured and just to go back to that statistic in Scandinavia um, in Europe where there's a higher rate of pet insurance there's a correlation there's two correlations to that higher rate of pet insurance number one is that pet owners are actually more satisfied with their care and number two the veterinarians are more satisfied with the care they can provide the pet. So like I said at the beginning, insurance enables me as a medical practitioner to offer you the best and insurance enables you as a pet parent to receive the best in care. I would definitely think about that and uh, talk to your veterinarian about insurance. Stay tuned for more exciting talk about five plus things your veterinarian wish you knew coming up right here on Your Pet Matters on 1077, 1077thebronc.com. Time spent with our pets is never wasted, but that's why it's important to take the time to care for their health. And right here's the best place to do it with Your Pet Matters. So let's bring it to their lifelong wellness partner, Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care. And let's keep their tails wagging with Your Pet Matters. The other concept is finances and it never fails where you're gonna hear stories or you yourself go to your veterinarian and they go here's what we're gonna do you know it's a wellness and we're gonna do vaccines we're gonna get some wellness blood work do this do that do this and you walk up front and you look at the bill and you go so the whole concept of expenses and and there's a couple things I want to stress here is that no veterinarian ever said that they entered the profession 
because they wanted to become rich. No veterinarian ever. Um, and I always joke, and ironically, when I pulled into the parking lot, there was a beautiful Maserati sitting there, so I actually made a little video where I show myself and say, hey, I just pulled in with my car, and I'm, I'm, you see the Maserati behind me, but then in reality, you pan over and you see my 2003 Honda Accord. 197, I wanna hit 200,000 miles, people. 200,000 miles. Um, and with that, so you're, you're, you know, veterinarians, I think that anyone who goes into a profession, unless you have very wealthy parents or parents who are dedicated to spending, spending money on you as an individual, you usually come out with a debt load for school. You've got a debt load to go to undergrad, you got a debt load to go to professional school. And the debt load can be quite high. Um, the average veterinarian has a debt load that's equivalent to a, a home in New Jersey, a fairly nice home in New Jersey. And then you have to look at what is the average starting salary. So the average starting salary for a veterinarian is not very high. It's not as high as you think. Um, it is, I think, median is sixty to seventy thousand dollars a year. So if you have a debt of three hundred thousand dollars, you're basically you have a mortgage. You're given thirty years to pay that off. You make sixty thousand, seventy thousand dollars, whatever starting salary after taxes and so forth. And if you're, you have to pay three grand a month to pay that debt off for thirty years, you you do the math and you figure out what the expenses are. So it's 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 different. I think when you look at other professions, especially other medical professions, you look at their starting salaries. If we all come out with the same debt load, the starting salaries are different. And so I, for one, want to change that. <laughs> but I think there's another concept that we have to talk about, and that is that I own a veterinary hospital. And I think the best analogy is to compare my veterinary hospital, my friend who's a human medical doctor, with his practice. So. Uh, number one, when I go to his practice, typically I'll be, I'll be seeing a receptionist, maybe two. I'll be taken in by a nurse or nurse practitioner and an exam will be done. My doctor friend then comes in and then he says, oh, you need blood work. So then I go out and I talk to the nurse and they pull blood and then I walk up front and I'm gone. In the, in the actual uh, exam room, I could describe it to you. So there'll be a computer there'll be a uh, medical bed or seat or whatever. Um, they'll probably have a, a ophthalmoscope, um, a otoscope, so eye and ear. They use a stethoscope. They have a blood pressure monitor. Um, I don't know if I said there's a computer for them to write their notes. There's a chair, a waiting chair, et cetera, a scale maybe. Um, and then there's a little area where you get your blood pulled. I think he also has a little ECG machine. So you look at the overhead, you look at the number of people present for a patient to be seen, you look at the equipment there, and I think the equipment's the big thing. So when I say I run a hospital, I run a, a hospital. You have to compare a veterinary office, your typical veterinary office, to one of the giant hospitals that you go to in, in that sense. So let me just talk about the few different things that I can be compared to. So within my hospital, I have a radiology center. So I have full x-ray, digital x-ray. I have a dental center. So I have a full dental machine, anesthesia machine, and digital dental x-rays. I have an ophthalmology clinic where I have many of the ophthalmology tools that your ophthalmologist uses. I have a full blood lab where I can do full blood work, urinalysis, and microscopic lab, lab cytologies. I'm also a pet food store. I'm also a pharmacy. I'm also a surgery clinic 
where I have the full anesthesia surgery table and all the equipment and instruments needed, including the autoclave and high-end instruments needed to do surgery. And most recently, vets are also physiotherapy clinics. They're also wellness, um, integrative medicine, alternative medicine. My, one of my technicians can do Reiki. I do a little laser therapy. I do laser acupuncture. Um, and all of this is combined into one hospital. And the best analogy I can give you for cost, so like I said, going back to my human doctor friend, so he's got two receptions. Oh yeah, team numbers. He's got two receptionists, a nurse, and himself. So when I'm on clinics alone, I have two receptionists, two technicians, and myself. Because when I get my blood pulled for myself, it's me and a nurse. When we pull blood for a pet, it is two technicians, sometimes two technicians and me, sometimes two technicians, a receptionist, and me. Depending on the scenario, depending on what's going on. Um, I also have a full-fledged ultrasound machine as well. So lots of lots of clinics in there. So for example, I just, I just did something. So when you look at the expenses or the overhead of running a practice, it is the overhead of running a hospital. And so when people say, why are things so expensive? Um, they're very expensive. So I think the best analogy, so in my hospital, I've got a special emergency oxygen cage. And so to put things in perspective, that's equivalent to a uh, Mercedes GL SUV in price. My blood machines are equivalent to a Cadillac um, Escalade, Escalade, Escalade. My digital X-ray is equivalent to a Range Rover. My laser is equivalent to a Honda Accord. So those are just some of the things you can add those things up, um, and you'll see the individual prices. Now let's take that to the next level, where your pet is now sent to a specialty referral center. So now you have a specialist, which is equivalent in training to any human specialist. They've not only done the degree I've done, they've got another five to seven years to become a specialist in radiology, oncology, surgery, ophthalmology, critical care, anesthesiology, dentistry, um, nutrition, um, radiation oncology. So all these different specialties are, are out there. And so with that come expenses. They also have to have high-end equipment. So a CT scan or MRI, you're talking millions of dollars. So for an MRI, you're talking like a Bugatti Veyron. For a CT scanner, or uh, there's a, a special radiation unit for oncology, and that's equivalent to a Pagani Huayra, uh, if you know your exotic cars. And it's a much bigger facility. The other thing is, is it's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so you have to have a full team there, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You could have up to 100 doctors, 200 support staff. So it, it is huge, and with that comes the expense. So when you look at things about expenses, it's, it's interesting to look at what the actual overhead is. We joke in the profession that we start at a deficit and our role is to get to a certain point, whatever it is, it's different for every animal hospital, to get to that, that break-even point is what we call it. So when, you, when I throw the figure out, it's $1,000 a day. It's $1,000 a day because you're getting that 24-hour care. You're getting that specialty um, input into what you're doing. But there is an inherent cost to that. You know, it takes a long time to pay a million-dollar machine off. And, you know, even if you're charged $1,000 each time it's done, do the math. You have to do 1,000 of them to actually break even on that machine. Um, for my x-ray system, it's, it could be a $70,000 x-ray system if a vet charges anywhere from one to 200 dollars. 
you have to do 3,500 x-rays just to break even. There's no way I do that in a year, no way years to pay that off, years. Um, so it's, it's very important to look at the finances. And the other point I wanna make, and, and there's no disparaging to any of the human medicine, but when I go and I get a blood panel, I get what's called a mini screen. And a mini screen at my practice for a pet runs probably under $100. When I look at the bill for my mini screen, it's like 300 to $450. So there's a huge price discrepancy between human and pet medicine. And there's, but there's the perception that you as a pet parent have to pay up front. So you actually see a fee for it. But you as a human medical patient, there's a copay of 25, 35, whatever, $50. That's all you pay. So again, that's something to think about for finances. So let's talk about a few more things. I think that, um, one thing to discuss is just, just your veterinarian in general. Uh, believe it or not, veterinarians are introverts. We all got into this profession because we love animals. That's a clear thing. Um, and we're not really, for the most part, I think that's changing. I actually think they're actually looking at the application process and screening for individuals who are actually people 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 as well, people person, person people, people persons as well. But for the most part, we're all very pet centric, as I call it, where our primary interactions have occurred with pets. We primarily care about pets. Um, and so I think that if you have some concerns about your veterinarian or there's some, I don't see, I, I, concerns is a strong word. I think that there's miscommunications that take place. It has to do with introversion and the fact that they're so pet centric and a couple other things they don't teach you in vet school. Number one is communication. I think communication is huge. Um, it's funny, I talk to students who want to become veterinarians and, and nine out of 10 of them say they don't really like dealing with people. And my honest answer is guess what you have to do most of the time. And I have two high school students volunteering for me right now and do what they're witnessing most of the time is the human to human interaction that we as the veterinary team have to do with clients. So if you don't like dealing with people, it is tough to get away from people in this profession um, and you have to communicate. So you're gonna get two responses from a lot of, a lot of vet team members and I'm, I'm gonna say this is not necessarily the veterinarians as well, but um, vet team members in general, when you ask them to talk to a client, you either get this response or literally sometimes you get this response. And I kid you not, it's true. It's, it's that desire not to talk to people. Um, and I, I can't say that I'm not in that boat at all. I think there is a level of me that doesn't like dealing with people. So we are very introverted and the lack of proper communication skills, um, whether it comes innately or taught are huge things that can lead to miscommunications with your veterinarian. And the other thing is pet centric. So I'm always teaching my team that we are innate to be in a veterinary setting to be very pet centric, which means we care immensely about the well-being of that patient in front of us. But what needs to be taken into consideration is that you have a human being bringing that patient to us and there are needs and wants and financial situations or personal situations that have to be addressed with the human being component of that and I always say without a human bringing that pet in we have no pet to treat so it's very important that 
we as a veterinary team are not only pet-centric, but people-centric. And for you as a pet parent, to understand where a lot of vet team members, not just the veterinarian, are coming from, it's important. So my role as an owner and manager is to emphasize the importance of the people aspect. Your understanding of the situation is that they are pet-centric individuals, if that makes any sense. Um, another thing that's not taught in vet school is management and financial management, but that's for another thing. We'll leave that for something else. We're going to take a little break, but tune in because I'll continue talking about all those interesting things that I felt pet parents should know. So you're listening to Your Pet Matters on 1077, 1077thebronc.com. Time spent with our pets is never wasted, but that's why it's important to take the time to care for their health. And right here is the best place to do it with Your Pet Matters. So let's bring it to their lifelong wellness partner, Dr. T at Progressive Veterinary Care. And let's keep their tails wagging with Your Pet Matters. I think there's something I'm very proud. I've just recently become a board member of Vet Soap, which stands for Specialist Outreach and Awareness Project. And what that is, is an understanding that it is important for me as a day practitioner and veterinary owner to actually work hand in hand with the specialty centers that surround me. Because in the end, that sort of symbiotic synergistic involvement leads to better pet health care and it's something that is slowly becoming acknowledged or slowly becoming understood so so you as a pet parent where does that put you so the future of veterinary medicine is me as a daytime practitioner I actually become a hub there are things that everyday practitioner is capable of doing and some can do more than others but with the plethora of specialties out there you have to keep keep in mind that what's better for the pet is in many times to refer or defer to a specialist so I'm fortunate that in my practice I have specialists that can come in and actually perform the specialty procedures and and uh, diagnostic workups that are needed um, in other places they don't have that uh, accessibility so they have to go to referral centers but working hand in hand the referral center will do what they can but definitely be in communication with your regular vet um, so you have to understand that there is a communication there there's an understanding there uh, and then your patient or your pet my patient is then referred back to me for further care. Um, so there is a symbiotic relationship there that in the end, like I said, in the end, it leads to better pet care. Now, what you have to understand as a pet parent is you're going in some, and many times you're going to a situation where you don't know who that specialist is. So my role as the veterinarian is to actually obtain and cultivate that relationship and I'm very very fortunate so as you can see by this screen here is everyone on this screen except for one which I'm meeting shortly but everyone on the screen I actually personally know and they're all specialists for example um, say you needed nutrition help Martha Klein internal medicine consult Pete Chapman ophthalmology consult Mike Brown dermatology consult Ian Spiegel oncology consult Jennifer Kim, you're criticalist, so some, some patients are in critical shape, Garrett Packinger. You want to do integrative medicine, um, and she happens to be also boarded as oncologist, is Kendra Pope. 
radiation oncology, Dr. Ira Gordon, and surgery, Dr. Dennis Tang. Um, in addition, I'm linked with pet trainers and other specialists. Um, there's behaviorists, Emily Levine comes to mind as pet behaviorist. So lots of interaction, cultivation there, and I'm able to, again, I'm fortunate in New Jersey, there's at least five referral centers within a 35 to 40 minute drive from my practice. So I have tons of accessibility to um, specialized care. Um, and if I haven't mentioned you, I apologize. It's just whoever can fit on the screen, you know who you are, you know that I know you, um, and I'll be more than happy to uh, mention other people. But that whole synergistic response um, leads to betterment. So where does Vet Soap fit in? Well, Vet Soap is, my role is to help cultivate that connection between the special referralty centers and your day practitioner. Um, recent study came out that showed that a pet under both the care of the regular veterinarian and a cardiologist actually live longer than under the care of one or the other. So it's, it's phenomenal. I think it's very important that, that this takes place and that's my role. Dog training. I think that part of your role as a veterinarian is to talk about some behavioral issues, some training issues, but leave the rest to the specialty. And as a pet parent, I think there's nothing better, especially as a dog owner, to get generalized obedience training. Number one, um, it helps your pet to socialize with peers. Number two, it's basically training you. Um, so you learn how to actually have a relationship with your pet. Number three, and I always talk about this to clients, is the return command. They teach you how in an emergency situation you have a return command, not just come or here, you can make it whatever you want, that when you yell that command out, your dog goes from a bolting situation to coming back to you. And every year I have pet parents tell me that they're grateful for obedience training because it led to saving their dog from bolting, saving their dog's life from bolting onto the street. So I think that's phenomenal. Um, it also helps wear your puppy out. Uh, a happy puppy is a tired puppy and they have a lot of energy and you help that um, with that and the training really helps that situation. Later on, there's more advanced training. There's nose work, everything like that. If you have that pet that really needs to work, et cetera. And so I'm fortunate that I work with a lot of trainers, but um, one I work with the most is Stephanie Kaluski of Heavenly Hounds Dog Training. Phenomenal place, check it out. Stay tuned, more to come on Your Pet Matters right here on 107.7, the FM dial, our 1077thebronc.com. Time spent with our pets is never wasted, but that's why it's important to take the time to care for their health. And right here is the best place to do it with Your Pet Matters. So let's bring it to their lifelong wellness partner, Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care. And let's keep their tails wagging with Your Pet Matters. Dr. Google. The last time I checked, Dr. Google was not a real doctor. There was no veterinary degree with Dr. Google. Um, in all honesty, unless your uncle, your cousin, your neighbor is a veterinarian, getting veterinary advice from them is a little difficult. Um, the situation they may have been in with their pet is not necessarily the same situation that, that you're in with your pet. So in all honesty, call your veterinarian up. Have a discussion with them. A, a, a veterinarian is more than happy to discuss things with you. They'll also be more than happy to tell you, listen, the situation, there's a lot more, I need more detail, I need not, more involvement in this. Come in, let's have an appointment, let's talk. Um, but I would not take the advice 
of what you read online, in which case they advise you to do something medically. I think it's very, very dangerous and difficult. Having said that, there is an initiative and there's a trend towards what we call telehealth, where for a set fee, you can pay a outside service to give you medical advice. A veterinary certified service that will probably refer you back to your regular veterinarian, but that exists. Additionally, you could actually, in the future, have a video conference call with your veterinarian, in which case they will determine if your pet needs to be seen. Um, a great example of this is if I see a pet and the recheck, I inevitably you get a lot of situations, I don't need to come in for the recheck. Well, in a lot of cases, yeah, you do, and the vet really wants to see that the process they did is actually working. But in many minor cases, if, you can, if I can visualize something, um, I guess the best, best thing is, uh, spay or neuter, that I visualize something. You get the camera on the spay or neuter site and everything looks great. Then I'll say, hey, everything looks great. That's awesome. It's been 10 days, good to go. E-collar off, let them run around, do whatever. I think those are, those are important things. Um, but having that ability to actually have that conversation is important. But I wouldn't advise you to just Google online in the middle of the night about what to do. Honestly, give a call to the referral center. If they say, come on in, it's worth your weight in gold to go in if something is really going on with your pet. Um, the way we work it at my practice is if, is if you feel it's an emergency situation, you come in and really there's nothing wrong, it's usually just a free exam. My role as a medical practitioner is to do best by, best by the pet. But as I said before, to, to honor the people aspect, we do it what's best for you as well. Um, but always refer to your veterinarian. But why do we want to see you so often? Why are we always asking to see you? The number one reason why we want to see you often is because, as you well know, pets age. Pets age much more rapidly than us. Um, usually by the time they're spayed or neutered, they're, they're a teenager up into high school ages. Um, when they're much older, they're, you know, middle age is six or seven years to a pet. Middle age is something that I am. And as you know, with middle age, your human doctor is saying, hey, we gotta do blower, we gotta do these tests, we're gonna do this. Um, chances are you'll be put on some sort of medication. We need to do medical drug monitoring every three months. Um, so, or you can't get a refill of your meds, <laughs> whatever those types of things happen. So the whole aspect that pets age much more rapidly than us is probably your number one reason why your vet wants to see you. And what we do with drug monitoring profiles is at my practice, we do them every six months, but Keep in mind, six months to a pet that is seven years old, human years, six months human time. So come to two or three years. So picture yourself not going to your doctor for two or three years. That's what we're asking for at six month increments. So it may seem very short to you, but in that pet's aging life, it is very long. And as you well know, something can happen in three human months to any of us. We can go from normal to sick within that time frame. So that's why your veterinarian wants to see you. Um, nothing is better than looking at your pet, detecting disease early. My blood work panels are called early detection. <laughs> They're early detection for a reason. We wanna find things early. Um, so detecting a disease early means A, you know about it, B, there's something you can do to prolong your pet's life and lead to great management um, or possibly cure. 
you're way ahead of the game. Um, even if it's a very severe condition, you've detected it early, you have a baseline. If everything's normal, you got a baseline. So something abnormal happens, you know how long it's been happening and how severe it is. So that's why we wanna see you often. The other thing that happened and when we had that stock market crash, a lot of people made the conscious decision to wait, to wait to take their pet in for care. And it turned out to be instead of just a, a sick patient at your general practitioners, it became a very, very sick patient at a referral, 24 hour referral facility. And it led to an, it clearly increased um, stress, um, things that may have been preventable had happened and at the bottom end you have a very sick pet and a huge veterinary bill. So, you know, not to say that um, waiting is, is bad, but waiting is not the greatest thing to do. I mean, why not get something checked out early? If it's nothing, it's nothing. If it's something big, then again, you've got that early detection. And, and I want to tell you a story about uh, Tucker. So Tucker is owned by a medical, human medical person who originally when he came in, he had a lump on his foot and it looked like this. Because of the fear, Tucker's 16 years old, because of the fear of anesthesia, because of the concerns about things, um, and I'll take full responsibility that on our end, I don't know if it was explained properly. Again, going back to the communication skills of the veterinary team. So I don't know if it was explained properly. I don't know. I came into this case late. Um, and by the time they decided to do surgery, that would have been a, a mass removal by my boarded surgeon from a foot the foot looked like this. So we then became a mass on a foot to a completely infected foot, in which case the best case scenario would be to remove the entire leg. And by the time surgery happened, that leg didn't look very good. So there's a happy ending here. Through the great work of Dr. Ting, the leg was removed, and this is literally how Tucker was the day of surgery. This is how he was, and he's still doing great at 16, 17 years old now. So the bottom line is really don't wait, and, and I know there's a lot of, if you have that anxiety about anesthesia, if you're concerned about many things, again, talk to your veterinarian. It's our role to give you the pros and cons and work with you to get through that situation, but, but waiting is not, is not something I would strongly advise you to do. It is uh, Veterinary Technician Appreciation Week coming up. And so I think it's important that um, some of the most important members of the team are the veterinary technicians and support team. Um, I think everyone's important from customer service representative CSR to the veterinary technician stuff. So, um, it's coming up, so you know, be sure to, if you have a favorite tech or a favorite person at your vet hospital, just acknowledge that. Um, if your vet owner's out there, it's important to acknowledge that your team, you cannot have a successful practice without a successful team. So our role is to bring success to your team, which will help success to your business. Um, one more thing I wanna talk about is American Animal Hospital Association certification. So um, I'm a proud AHA certified veterinary hospital. Um, it's AHA, which is the American Animal Hospital Association. Um, it is a volunteer thing for vet hospitals to get AHA certified. The reason why I got AHA certified is that there are over 900 areas that they look at 
on your medical protocols that help keep you on the forefront of doing the latest best medicine over 900 um, ironically and sadly about 15 percent of vet hospitals are aha certified because it's a volunteer thing it actually costs me money to pay for my aha dues and for the inspection but in the end it is better medicine it by keeping us to the latest standards of care it helps us to be better. So um, it's important. I think it's important to look at that. And a lot of vets who are AHA certified don't announce it. You'll see the logo, AAHA, um, AHA certified facility. I think it's very, very important to look for things like that. And if you're moving, nothing's better than going to the AHA website and they have AHA accredited uh, veterinary hospitals in each state, they have them listed. So it's very important to look for things like that. Last thing I want to say is uh, adopt, don't shop. Um, as much as I, I agree with the breed standards and adopting from uh, breeders, there are thousands and thousands of pets at shelters that need a good home. Um, I'm fortunate to, I work mostly with SAVE uh, organization just in, literally they're in my backyard. I did not know when I was building my hospital that they would be in my backyard building a giant facility so I get to work with them. Um, those pets that come out there are phenomenal um, and I definitely recommend you actually check them out. Uh, I also had the pleasure of working with Easel, AFU, Carol's Cats, Animal Alliance, um, lots of places so chances are you have a veterinarian that works with a rescue group it 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 pays itself in spades to have a uh, rescue pet um, they just bring so much joy to our lives and they're in need of a home and we get a lot of the pets from the south so a lot of the from the hurricane in north carolina we're getting a lot of those pets come up here um, so it's important that um, you support things like that. So that's about all I have to say. So clearly it's, it was more than five plus things. I called them parole of wisdom and everything. So talked about pet insurance, we talked about Dr. Google not being a real doctor. We talked about knowing your veterinarian is truly an introvert, not a people person. We talked about um, finances. We talked about vet soap and the importance of the relationship between your veterinarian and a referral center. And uh, why waiting is not a good thing. Um, your vet wants to see you for a reason, for better health for you and your pet. So remember everyone, love your pet like they love you unconditionally. Have a great day. That's all for this week's visit with your pet's lifelong wellness partner, Dr. T at Progressive Veterinary Care. Progressive Veterinary Care, making waves in pet health care. To access more information online, go to ProgressiveVeterinaryCare.com. And be sure to stay tuned to 1077 The Bronx every Saturday at 10 a.m. to keep up with your pet's health with Your Pet Matters, only on 1077 The Bronx.